You might have noticed a trend over the past decade, really. Sequels and remakes are ruling Hollywood. Is that what we can expect in 2020 as well? Searching for the unusual, the obscure, the forgotten treasures hidden deep within streaming media. This is the Deep Dive Podcast. Plane in the sun! Get below! Lookouts, get below! Dive the boat! Dive the boat! Take it down to 150 feet, steer course 090. Continue to dive. Hello, you magnificent divers. Welcome. <laughs> To the Deep Dive Podcast, a never-ending quest to find the best and sometimes worst content hiding in streaming media. I'm Tom Feeney, writer for Wang's Job Movie Magazine, available, as always, on Amazon.com. And with me, yet again, live from an abandoned <laughs> missile silo turned luxury resort, the Mandalorian herself. Hello, Manda. Hello. You can't get rid of me that easy. And believe me, we've tried. Uh, oh, no, no. The show would not be the same without you, which you would be able to tell by listening to the microcast, which is just me talking. So, and doesn't do as well. So there you go. We've got that. Um, so how are you doing in month, what, number four or three of quarantine? What's going on? Oh, geez. Yeah, it's, it's slowly, I, maybe slowly is the wrong word, but it's becoming more abundantly clear to me that uh, we're not going to have a typical summer this year. Mm. It's yeah. Every time I kind of walk out onto my balcony, I think, Oh, smell that. It smells like summer in new England. And you get that nice sort of warm breeze without it being too humid. It reminds me of camping, fishing, hiking, all that stuff that, you know, typically I would probably want to enjoy but now I'm just too scared to leave my house. Okay. So yeah. I'm sensing good news, bad news here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the bad news is that you can't do all those summery things that you may do normally. Uh, but the good news is uh, no mosquitoes. This is true. Yeah. All right. There's a trade-off there, and I'm willing to accept that trade-off. Me too, because I am highly susceptible to mosquito bites. Oh, gosh. Isn't like, everybody? Yeah. yeah but, I Ooh. mean, for me, my legs turn all red, and it, it's not good. I like for some Ooh. reason I have a bad reaction to it, um, so yeah. So I'm not uh, I'm not too sad about that kind of thing. I'm not, you know, uh, I, I'm more indoorsy, <laughs> so I, I I don't complain that much about it. So I'm okay. But, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think, you know, uh, I am trying to settle back into my day job. Uh, mm -hmm. which has not been easy because, uh, number one, I, I really do not like wearing a mask for hours and hours mm -hmm. on end. That is not mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. And I, I, have to be, I have to be thankful that I have yet to deal with, uh, with the Karen yet. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, that actually brings something to my mind. Hmm. This, recently this week, I've, I've seen a lot of those, quote, Karen videos. Um, yes. uh, and it seems to be that a... A particular type of person or group or political affiliation, I'm not even really sure, but they seem to think that wearing a mask in public is some sort of infringement on the rights, the rights of every uh, uh, American citizen. Um, yeah. I think 
to me, that is just so painfully silly and harmful rhetoric. You know, I don't wear my mask for me because it's going to protect me. I wear it for you. Exactly. Because nobody knows what you're carrying. Nobody knows what you're going to be susceptible to. So, people, just wear your mask. It's not forever. But the sooner you conform to this, the sooner we can get out of this. I I totally agree. And, you know, as you said, there seems to be a certain type of individual that doesn't like to wear a mask or participate. Like white Republican, you mean? In the South, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, see, I mean, I mean you know. yeah, it, yeah. I mean, we don't like to judge. We're not going to judge or make stereotypes or well, even I will. call it out. I will. I'll be fine with that. <laughs> I'm okay. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a judgmental person. I, I well, can totally just, do that. You know, it's <laughs> it's just one of those things. But you know, communication and education are so important right now. Um, I don't know about you, but. I trust Dr. Fauci a heck of a lot more than uh, our commander in chief. So if Dr. Fauci says, hey, wear a mask, it'll be easier in the long run. You best believe I am making masks out of old T-shirts, out of old spare fabric I have, anything. (laughs) And I will wear a mask. Yeah, I would trust a dead possum more than I would trust the commander in chief (laughs) when it comes to this kind of thing. You know, not to be political Uh, about it, but seriously? uh, Yeah, I mean, some, you know, a lot of our our audience is based right here in the U.S. And and those who are not are looking sort of from the outside in. Just know that it's not a pleasant time. It's not a pleasant time to be an American. I don't know if it ever really is, but you kind of get that feeling that all the vitriol that the world feels for us, it's kind of like warranted now. Yeah, so much so (laughs) that they're not letting us into Europe. Right. Now, I know that England is not part of the EU anymore, technically, but it is kind of a scary thought to think that if we have to fly over to England to, I don't know, for my husband's mother or something, an emergency, it's it's kind of scary to think that, one, we might not be able to get in, yeah. and two, might not be able to get back home. I'm so, telling you, you know, and, and, if yeah. I, and if I had a steak and kidney pie emergency <laughs> and had to get over there... I couldn't do it either, and that's just as important. You know, uh, there are some folks who swear by steak and kidney pie. Personally, I'm just not a steak pie person, but I do love me a good roast chicken pie. Oh, yes, yes. That's absolutely. All the vegetables, all the gravy inside, give me that, and I'm happy as a clam. And Nando's. No pun intended. Oh, Nando's. Yeah. There's only yeah. apparently there's one in Washington D.C., but I you know that's almost that's like too twelve far to hours go, from here. Yeah, I mean it, like but, you know. <laughs> I think we would have a great time for about two hours until we had to drive home. Yes, and have you ever been to Washington D.C. in the middle of summer? It is not <laughs> pleasant. No, I've never been at all, but it's on my bucket list because I want to go to any Smithsonian museum. It's so darn hot. Yeah, yeah. But in any event, any you mentioned you mentioned the U.K. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually, and this is interesting, we're going to hit a couple of cool a cool milestones here for us. We passed 7,000 downloads on our Woo! host Podbean. And that's just on Podbean. That's just on Podbean. So that is amazing to me. I, I'm, that's I'm, awesome. It is awesome. It really, really is. Uh, so we're extremely grateful to anyone who has downloaded and listen to our podcast through Podbean, even if you've only listened once and completely hated it, 
I can understand that. <laughs> but thank you anyway. Uh, we actually had some interesting news on uh, the podcast charts. Ooh. So I received a notification that we hit number 51 on the podcast charts in the category of film review shows in the UK. What? Yes, in the UK, number 51 on the podcast I have charts. To, I have to believe that there's more than 51 podcasts that deal with film reviews. Oh, there's <laughs> lots. In the US, right. we don't even make the top 200. So there you oh go. Oh my gosh. 51. That is amazing. That is amazing. Oh. And... Not to be outdone, we hit number 53 in the Netherlands. Woo! Netherlands coming through again. So to all of you in Amsterdam, Rotterdam, or any of the other dams in the, in the Netherlands, <laughs> let me just say this. <sighs> Bedankt an bleif leisteren. I think you just offended about a quarter of the nation. Well, I either said thank you for listening or may I have some herring and onions. Ew. hope it's the first one. I, yeah, I do too. Because in any event, if you are listening in the Netherlands right now, or whenever you download and listen to this fine podcast, please, please, please send us some of your finest Stroop waffles. <laughs> because I love those. I love me some Stroop. Oh, man. You can only get them like from certain areas of the States where they're really good. Otherwise, they're just, you know, hard and, and dry and stale. Yeah, we want the good yeah, ones. I, yeah, Not I the, love the ones for the tourists. <laughs> oh yeah but that's awesome 51 yeah. huh 51 oh, man, we're keep... almost at that uh you know we're almost cracking the top 50 there in the uk so that's fantastic that is so cool Absolutely. wow and uh believe me if you're listening from the uk we wish we were there right now <laughs> oh yes <laughs> please we're gonna emigrate there please accept us please please do we promise oh. we won't be the ugly americans okay <laughs> we voted for the other no. guy all right. Yeah, we did. <laughs> now, to the topic at hand. Mm -hmm. One one of Hollywood's timeless sources of easy income has been the remake. The mm -hmm. the formula is tried and true. You take an existing successful motion picture and remake it only worse. Now, <laughs> okay, well, all right. So most of the time it's worse, but not always. Sometimes, though, they take a bad movie and try to improve upon it. The, the operative word being try. But, try, But, but yeah. why would you take a bad movie and remake it? Because it was already bad. What makes you think you could make it better? That's what I wondered, the mentality there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There are some folks who get it right. Oh, yes. Like the, Gremlin, the Gremlins movies. But then there are some folks who just get it so bad. Mm. So, so bad. You should have let it just die on its own. Let it just die. You know, no sequels, no remakes, none of that garbage. <laughs> but here's the thing. Remakes are not recent. They are not a recent thing. The first one was actually in 1904. And it was called The what? Great... Yeah, it was called The Great Train Robbery. And it was a remake of a movie made in 1903. <laughs> they didn't wait too long then, did they? <laughs> they did not wait too long. The funny thing was they did not have, like, copyright laws then. So you could take... Uh, you could remake a movie and not have to, like, pay anybody or give anybody any, like, residuals or anything like that. You could just do what you mm. want. In fact, in those days, before they actually established copyright law, they uh, people would take copies of the movie, the actual movie itself. They would steal the film and put 
their own title on it and show it and make money because there was no law against it at the time. Wow. Yeah. These days, you can't even sneeze while saying the title of the movie without owing someone kind of a copyright something. Exactly. So then it was like it was the wild, wild west basically back then when it came to movies. But there are but there are movies that you may not have thought were remakes. The Wizard of Oz is a remake. I've got one of those for one of my picks. Excellent. I like that. Yeah. Scarface was a remake. What? Yeah. The Departed was a remake of a Hong Kong movie. movie. Yeah, it was a Hong Kong movie called Infernal Affairs. Who knew? Yeah. Now, what's interesting is they're at the time of of this recording, uh, they had just announced a remake of The Princess Bride. Uh, oh, wait a minute! No, wait, wait! It gets better. This actually gets. This is actually interesting. Uh, there's this new weird uh, streaming thing called Queeby. Yes, which we may or may not get to at some point in the future. Depends. But this version, this remake of The Princess Bride, is basically a bunch of celebrities at home filming each scene with their own iPhones <laughs> and it's going to okay. all be put together as a remake of the princess bride just for fun. Okay. So, that might be a bit confusing. It might be a bit confusing, but it should be funny because all, I mean, I've seen like Jack Black and there are a bunch of other celebrities that are going to be doing it. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're basically filming different scenes on their own with their own costumes, their own makeup, their own props. And it's all going to get mm-hmm. stitched together to make a remake of The Princess Bride that is extremely tongue-in-cheek. All right. So it See, sounds I'm, like fun. I'm one of those, it does sound like fun, but I'm also one of those really hesitant people to watch remakes. Because if I loved the original, I have this weird thing where it, it feels like it might taint the original. <laughs> or I feel this weird loyalty. Like, I don't want to like the remake more than the original because then I'm not being fair to the original. No, no, I get that. I get that. Yeah, that makes sense. So, what what do you have for your first uh, for your first pick? Well, my first pick is actually it kind of falls into that category because I love and still love the original. So, my first pick (laughs) uh, is Bram Stoker's Dracula, the nineteen ninety two version starring Keanu Reeves and Gary Oldman, Winona Ryder. Okay, so I need to pick this apart. I need a few extra minutes because this is just so. Much Now, of course, it is a remake or a retelling of the story of Dracula. Uh, I think the first one was in 1938, maybe, with Bela Lugosi's Dracula. That is probably the most famous, uh, maybe even the most famous monster movie, to be honest. I'm not even sure that, yeah, I don't even know if the creature of the Black Lagoon or something like, or even like the mummy comes up against it. But Frankenstein, maybe. Maybe, right? But when people think of like old school horror, they think Dracula. So I picked this one because of a couple of different factors, but I liked so I liked I liked Gary Oldman so much because I love him in most of anything. But I think this is the first film I actually saw him in, and I was like, "Wow, I love him!" <laughs> like he was one of my first like mm. uh, film crushes, as it were. But this is a I don't know. They take a uh, a very a heavy story from Bram Stoker, who was, of course, an Irishman uh, who wrote this story of Dracula. Mm-hmm. And they, Francis Ford Coppola, who directed it, he combined lots of blood, a serious backstory, and romance to create like this really emotional, uh, emotionally investing movie. From one of the most celebrated filmmakers of our time. <laughs> 
comes the most unforgettable love story of all time. Who are you? Dracula. Gary Oldman, Winona Ryder, no! Anthony Hopkins, Keanu Reeves, in a Francis Ford Coppola film. Bram Stoker's Dracula. I give you life, Tony. At theaters Friday. The, uh, I won't go over, the, of course, the, the basics. Everyone kind of knows about what's going on with Dracula, right? But, you know, there's so many stars in this film. And almost, almost all of them really, really, they knock it out of the park. Now, Keanu Reeves, <laughs> maybe, not, maybe not so much. Worst accent ever. The worst <laughs> accent portrayal ever. But we've got Anthony Hopkins, who turns that around and embodies this character of Abraham Van Helsing to a T. So much so that, like, when I'm reading Dracula these days, I, I picture him because like, he equates oh, okay. to Van Helsing. Um, you know, you have Winona Ryder, who I'm not necessarily the hugest fan of, although she's great in Stranger Things. Um, but she plays the innocence, I think, of of Mina Harker to to a degree that it's so believable when she's coming up against someone who has this overwhelmingly powerful, powerful, um, just essence and and you know, being. So Dracula, um, Gary Oldman, I think he goes through maybe like four or five different representations of Dracula in this film. It's a ton of makeup, a ton of FX, which you would, you would come to expect from a Francis Ford Coppola film. But he has, oh, he's just nailed old Dracula, young Dracula, young, gorgeous Dracula. Um, <laughs> he's nailed like someone dying, then the giant bat monster. And, they really do uh, really do hit sort of the traditional, as it were, characteristics of Dracula, you know, taking the form of a wolf or mist or whatever, and having this like bewitching power over people. And then also, you know, you fall in love with this character. And, and I think the brilliance of Coppola is to make you see Dracula as a man, Right. Because that's where the romance right, comes in. Right, right. You see him as a man. You don't see him as a monster. And so by the end of it, you know, you're shedding tears for Dracula, and not for like the countless of other people who have you know, fallen victim. Um, but one thing I thought was really funny while doing a little bit of research about this, uh, Gary Oldman has said um, pretty frequently in the past and on um, sort of like talk shows that it was never a bucket list role for him. Like he wasn't waking up one day and saying, I have to play. Dracula. Right. Keep in mind, like he had already, uh, he had just come off of Sid and Nancy, which was a huge film. Yes, really good. Um, really good film. I love that. But that was a huge, huge role for him. And then coming into, you know, hey, it's kind of like an American horror story. We probably won't do that great. Whatever. He's like, I just want to say that most famous line, which is that I've crossed oceans of time to find you. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, everyone, everyone equates that with Dracula, right? And that's, of course why he was like, I need to say that. And plus, I want to work with Francis for Coppola, so I'll do it. Not knowing that it was going to become one of the most cult films um, easily uh, uh, of modern movie making. Um, so uh, Coppola, he has this weird thing, or not this weird, it's like this talent to mix visual effects, right? So back then, computer-generated stuff wasn't the greatest, right? So mm-hmm. anyone watching it now has to take it with a grain of salt because we're talking 20, what, 20 plus years ago, almost 30 years ago. Yeah. Or so, you know, there's that, but the use of 
you know, things like um, composition and rear projection and uh, forced um, placement imagery and forced perspective. Mm-hmm. All Oh, and miniatures and matte paintings. All these things combined make it such a seamless, seamless representation. I mean, I, I still think that movie holds up to some of the most uh, over-the-top VFX uh, horror stories, you know, today that we have. Um, but so... It has, like I said, a pretty cult following. Um, IMDb gives it a 7.5 out of 10 over across about 200,000 votes. Metacritic, not so much, gives it around a 57. But if you were to go on other ranking sites like Just Watch or Fandoms, all of them are given to the high 80s. Nice. Now, where can you watch this? You can watch this right now, currently, for free, if you subscribe to either AT&T, DirecTV, the Crackle app, which I love. And then Yup TV, which I hadn't heard of until I saw this. And I got to tell you, that application has a good lot of like traditional 80s uh, horror movies that's definitely worth checking out. Really? But on, oh, yeah, totally. It's called uh, Yup TV. It's spelled Y U P P T V. I've seen their logo and I don't like it. Yeah, right? You're like, I, is it, are you a yuppie? What is a yuppie? I, I, it's confusing. But if you want to buy this movie, which I think it is worth buying before you even rent it, you can get it on most platforms for around twelve or thirteen dollars. Hmm. But uh, my one of my favorite by far, it holds up to the original Dracula while telling the same story but in a different way, and yeah. it, it's just one of my favorites. Very good, good pick. I like that. Thank you. Now I will just before I I, I do my pick, I will. I'm going to give a shout out to my favorite adaptation of Dracula, which is the 1979 version with Frank Langella, which is oh. really, really good. Uh, okay. So it's a, it's very stylish, very moody. It's uh, more of like a sexy Dracula. And, you know, I actually saw that in the stars app recently. Oh, it's That's good. A, yeah. Yeah. And I think he has a nice haircut, doesn't he? He's one of them. He's got like a really nice head of hair. Oh, That's all yeah. I remember. Oh yeah. Great hair. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and it's uh, one of uh, one of the finest actors in history. Lawrence Olivier is Van Helsing, so it's a really Ooh. good it's a really good adaptation. Uh, it's mm-hmm. very even though it does take place, you know, of course, nineteen thirteen or so. It's very seventies mm-hmm. in the way it's shot. It's really cool. So I yeah. check that out too because it's a really good adaptation, and, and it's uh, it's my it's probably my favorite aside from the original. Nice. Yeah. Now. I've set my own kind of personal rule for my picks today. Uh, you talked about things like uh, not c- trying to, you know, uh, taint your opinion when it comes to mm-hmm. watching a remake. So mm-hmm. for me, my opinion is sometimes colored by whether I saw the original first or the remake first. Okay, uh, yeah. It's like when you hear a cover of a song before you hear the original, you might not like the original because you heard the cover first. Because that's, mm-hmm. your, that's your baseline for comparison, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to choose remakes where I saw the original first and then can compare the remake to the original, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. My first pick is a remake of a movie I saw as a young kid on local Philadelphia TV on some long ago Sunday afternoon. That 1958 movie starred horror icon Vincent Price. <gasps> No. The remake from 1986. No. No. You can't do this one. Star icon Jeff 
Goldblum. Goldblum. You can't oh. do it. This is my second pick. <laughs> yeah, I had to do it. I am, I am referring to... The Fly. When a brilliant invention goes horribly wrong. You're changing, Seth. Everything about you is changing. All she can do is watch. Don't go back to him. I have to go back to him. As he becomes... <laughs> the Fly. Help me. Please help me. Rated R. Starts tomorrow at theaters everywhere. <laughs> now, I'd like to point something out before you get started. Yes. This is only the second time the second time yep. in over 60 episodes yep. and hundreds of downloads that we have ever picked the exact same pick. That is right, because we do not tell each other before we start <laughs> recording what the picks are. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. I, I thought I was going to surprise you with this pick because I thought you would think I would never like it. It is one of my favorite movies that ever. That does surprise me. <laughs> it's creepy and gross, but I love Jeff Goldblum. He's so good in it, too. Oh. All right, you go, and then I'll throw in some dashing facts if I have any. <laughs> All right. Okay, so The Fly, directed by David Cronenberg, uh, who gave the world such gruesome classics like Scanners, Videodrome, Dead Ringers, and Crash. So And The Dead Zone. And The Dead Zone, yes, fantastic movie. Uh, the Fly was his first film for, I think, a major studio like this. Um, now, Goldblum plays Seth Brundle who is a socially awkward but brilliant scientist working on a means of teleportation, mostly because he has terrible motion sickness. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Gina Davis is a scientific journalist who starts off wanting to document this amazing creation, but soon finds herself falling in love with Brundle. As One, you do. Yeah, as you do. It's Jeff Goldblum. How can you not, really? <laughs> One evening after the pair have a fight, he gets drunk and tests the teleportation machine on himself, not realizing a tiny little fly has entered the machine with him. This teleporter fuses their DNA, and the fun begins. Our, our scientist slowly mutates into a human-insect oh. hybrid who calls himself what? Oh, the Brundlefly? Brundlefly, yes. It's gooey. <laughs> it's ooey, it's gooey, it's gross and spewy. Oh, and you know, he has like maybe six or seven iterations of this like transformation. And oh, yeah. One just adds another complex layer. Uh, and oh my God, the, the, the grossness that he has to endure to, to present the Brundlefly is probably off the charts. Yeah, and it's interesting because that they decided to do it this way because the original 1958 movie, the guy gets in and he comes out with the head of a fly and one, like, fly appendage. The rest of him is, like, human, <laughs> which is just kind of weird if you, you know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But in yeah. this case, in this case, it's almost like some kind of cancer that is just yeah. eating away yeah. at him. It, it's, it's not turning him into a fly, but some kind of weird uh, genetic mutation that is slowly killing him but turning him into something that has never existed before uh like the like the one scene where you know oh how does a fly eat well let me show you by puking <laughs> on this box of donuts and slurping it up again. oh yeah it, i i can't watch this more than maybe once a year because my stomach can't handle it yeah but it's yeah it's gruesome my favorite line though is one that brundle says to uh gina davis saying, have you ever heard of insect politics? And she goes, no. And he goes, because they don't have any. They're brutal. 
And so <laughs> I'll hurt you. I'll hurt you if you stay. Ugh. That just gives me chills more than any of the gooey stuff uh, at all. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So, it's so good. And, and even more surprising was the film was uh, produced by Mel Brooks. <laughs> I know. I, it checks off all of those those great markers especially when you have a director who's willing to get his hands dirty literally he yeah. played the gynecologist did that's you know right. that that's right yeah absolutely <laughs> Fa- oh, fantastic no, i'm not, not going to tell the fans or the listeners about that but uh you just gotta <laughs> yeah yeah that's you know it and it, it it's one of those it's like peak 80s movie goodness uh-huh it mm-hmm. ranks up there because there were some really good 80s remakes of horror movies. You had The Fly. You had The Thing with Kurt Russell. You also had uh, The Blob remake, which was <laughs> fantastic. If you like practical effects, The Blob remake is so good. You, you got to see that. That, would, that, almost made, uh, that almost made it as my pick until I, I, I chose The Fly. So, yeah, the <laughs> 80s was that sort of peak remake movie goodness where they were actually really decent remakes because they finally had the special effects capabilities of doing it. Now a remake because you've got CG, it's like, eh, so what? Uh, you, just, right. you know, you got somebody in a room with a computer. Oh, let's just add this. It's not as, it's not as much fun looking at that as it is looking at, at real physical craftsmen who could make these special effects by hand uh, and make it work mm-hmm. and look cool. But the fly is mm-hmm. definitely, definitely up there. Uh, so I'll tell you what. Why don't you do the scores? Okay, I can do that. Also, just to note, it was actually composed and conducted. The music for the score was conducted by Howard Shore. Yes. And, of course, we all know Howard Shore is really famous right now for his Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. And, of course, I just love him to pieces. Yeah, fantastic. Howard Shore. This, I mean, Howard Shore. Did you know also that Jeff Goldblum won a Saturn Award for his portrayal of Brundlefly, as it were? I was not aware of that, I don't think. Yeah. I don't actually know what the what those are, but I, I hear it's a pretty big deal. So, in terms well, of scores... it's score, better than I'm, the Uranus Award. Let me just tell you that. <laughs> Oh man, we don't those kind of films we don't review on this show. Oh, so yet as soon as we run out of ideas, we will. <laughs> oh god, hopefully that's a long, long way from now. Anyways, IMDb gives it a seven point six, about a hundred and sixty or thousand or so votes, and Metascore gives it a pretty high seventy nine. So that's not bad. Did you also know that The Fly has uh, actually a sequel and then another sequel? called the fly outbreak which incidentally actually came out pretty recently it, it looks like it was a comic book series back in 2015 oh, i'm curious yeah i'm curious to see to see what that would be like now, but I, you can I, actually go ahead go ahead yeah go ahead i'm just yeah. so excited because i'm glad that we, we both chose this. i love this yes film. now <laughs> I, I have to admit that i am one of the few people that i think really really likes the fly 2 with eric stoltz Oh, I, I can't because all I see is the map. Yeah, and all I see is the the poor guy that got kicked off of Back to the Future. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I really do like that movie a lot. It was, uh, it had a lot of really cool effects, and it was, you know, it was directed by Chris Wallace, who was a special effects artist, and he got his first opportunity to direct a feature film. And I actually, mm-hmm. I actually really liked The Fly too. I you know the little uh, the little fly dog, 
Did you yeah, like the little yeah. mutated dog? I felt so bad for it. I'm like, oh. I've only seen bits and pieces of it, but yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. One thing I found really interesting while researching is it turns out that the transporter or the pod that he was working on was actually like uh, inspired by David Cronenberg's uh, motorcycle, a Ducati. Huh. Wow, okay. <laughs> Which is pretty insane. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But oh, so where can you watch it? Yes. So you right now it? see it on Stars for mm-hmm. free if you are a subscriber. You can get it on DirecTV, AT and T. You can rent it for about three bucks on Amazon, Redbox, Microsoft Store. If you want to buy it, which you really should, it's actually not that expensive. It's ten dollars on Google Play, YouTube, uh, and various other streaming platforms. Nice. It's worth worth taking a look at and, and watching it maybe once a year just not near the holidays because you will, will have been eating so much yeah. uh, food and it, it won't mix well no, no. <laughs> just get yourself a box of donuts and sit down and enjoy it that's all i gotta say about that oh man Th- this is crazy because we just kind of came up with this on the fly oh <laughs> i apologize and I to everyone <laughs> I can't believe you chose that. I, I honestly, I think I was a little bit naive. I, I thought that maybe this, we were never going to have another crossover again, but it's really funny that yeah. it happens to be this movie because I, I can guarantee you never would have thought that I'd like it. And I can guarantee I never would have thought that you would like it as much as you do because <laughs> it's gross. Oh, it, it's, no, just it's, it's so, gross. but it's so good though. And, you know, being being an elderly person like myself, uh, I actually saw it first run in the theater. So I was blown away the first time I saw this movie. It was pretty intense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So this was a a, a huge, I was like my jaw on the floor the whole time watching this movie in the theater just blew me away. It was so good. So good. And of course, it's pre-Jurassic Park, Dr. Ian Malcolm. Um, but yeah, I, I just can't think of a, I really can't think of a bad, uh, adaptation that Jeff Goldblum has portrayed. I think that he is top notch and hands down, probably my favorite actor ever. I, I, I don't know why, but it's just something about him. He's cool and like just hip and I want to be him. He has a show on Disney plus right now. Fantastic. uh, Called yeah. The world according to Jeff Goldblum. And he, he does these like. Um, exploratory shows. He does one about tattooing, about denim, about I don't know uh, shoe shows. Yeah, and things that he's interested in. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's really cool. It doesn't feel scripted, and it's it's really cool. So, all right, since you stole my second pick, yeah. I will bring forward my uh, sort of honorable mentions, yeah. as it were, mm-hmm. but a little bit differently. These are announced remakes coming up in the next three to four years, which I'm really excited about. Mm. (laughs) No, no. Listen, there's a couple of good ones. The first one is going to be American Psycho. So they announced it. No, no. no. Listen, it's Noble Jones is going to direct it. I think it's going to be pretty good. We'll see. But American Psycho, The Birds, right? The Hitchcock remake from, what is it, 1961 or two? Something like that. The what? The birds. Oh, the birds. I thought they said yeah. Else. Oh no, <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock's 1963 thriller about a flock of birds that take over a very quiet town, and you were never scared of pigeons more than you were after watching that. Wait, wasn't but that was that also... remade as Birdemic? Oh, was it? No. 
Oh. One of these days, look up Birdemic. <laughs> it is one of the worst films ever made. Oh, I don't know if I want to. But we've also got Escape from New York. It's in pre-production right now, which is good. Okay. I, I don't know. I love Kurt Russell, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but one that I'm really, really looking forward to is All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh. So I love that book. That book is, is fantastic. It's a good read. It's a dark read. It's a heavy, heavy read. But so worth reading. I've never seen in full the movie that they made uh, of it. I know it. it's not too, too old. It's probably like um, maybe late 80s, early 90s maybe. Uh, but they're going to be making a new one. It's in pre-production right now. Uh, and yeah, I'm excited. So those are a couple ones to look out for. You can find all this info too, by the way, on places like IMDb and Metacritic. They usually have a section of like what's coming or look out for this or such, such like that. Hmm. But yeah. Interesting. Be so good. Here's a fun fact. So you mentioned escape from New York. Mm-hmm. So that's a John Carpenter film. And uh-huh. he, he also directed the not so hot escape from LA. <laughs> yeah. But he had actually <laughs> planned that as a trilogy uh, before, really? yeah, before Escape from L.A. tanked. Uh, the third film was actually going to be called Escape from Earth. Okay. It was going to be a big, huge sci-fi spectacular. Uh, and but he, you know, since Escape from L.A. didn't do well, he was unable to get the the backing to make Escape from Earth, which I still want to see with Kurt Russell. Well, I love Kurt Russell. I also lo- think he's one of my favorite actors. But I read somewhere quite a while ago that they were thinking about Gerard Butler to play Snake. And I think that Kurt Russell was like, yeah, I don't think that's going to be good. Nope, no. Nope. Probably yeah, Chris because Pratt Butler had- Well, yeah, I mean, Gerard Butler is awesome, but he's also got like the heaviest of Scottish accents. Yeah. And like, I just don't think he would be like a, a great Snake. You know what I mean? Just right, not no, my deal. no. No, but I, you know what? Also, last one, too. I also heard they're remaking Short Circuit. Have you ever seen that movie, Short Circuit? Yeah. It's so cute. Johnny Five. So, you know what? Yeah, Johnny Five. He's a military robot, yeah. and then he just basically gets struck by lightning, and he's all like, hey, I have a brain, and I have a consciousness, and oh, so yeah, cute. It's I like love Chappie. that. <laughs> you remember Chappie? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. I have okay. no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, never mind. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. All right. So. Anyways, so, you know, what's your second pick that I definitely didn't steal? Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So in the early 1960s, uh, there was a group of popular entertainers who were also a group of friends, and they descended on the Las Vegas Strip and became the nightclub legends known as the Rat Pack. So, mm. members of this elite crew included Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, and Sammy Davis Jr., among others. So they got together in 1960 to make a movie about a high-stakes casino heist. That movie was Ocean's Eleven. Oh! Yeah. So fast forward 41 years to 2001, and Ocean's Eleven was remade by director Steven Soderbergh, whose filmography includes Aaron Brockovich, Magic Mike, and a movie that has a, a lot of current meaning, Contagion. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Now, this version of the heist movie also kind of boasted one of the greatest all-star casts in movie history. You had George Clooney, you had Brad Pitt, mm-hmm. Matt Damon, mm-hmm. and Julia Roberts, like Don Cheadle and others. And in this film, once again, a team of expert criminals is recruited to rob 
several casinos simultaneously. This is a fun, fun movie. Let's listen in. It's tricky. It's never been done before. 150 million without breaking a sweat. You suicidal? Congratulations. You're a dead man. Someone called for a doctor? You're a thief and a liar. I only lied about being a thief. Starts Friday, December 7th. Oh, yeah. Ocean's Eleven. Have you seen <laughs> Have you seen Ocean's Eleven? Uh, I've seen Ocean's Twelve. Oh, I'm so sorry. That was yeah, terrible. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what it was supposed to be. So I was like, okay, yeah, sure, cool, this is great. Very bad. So, yeah, I made a mistake. Yeah, you got to see Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Eleven is really, really good. It's uh, the relationships between the lead characters feels very real and it's very natural. Everybody's funny. There's great dialogue, but it's also very suspenseful. And it's got some cool action scenes as they're they're robbing the casinos. So it's a it's a, a fun ride of a movie. As long as you don't like think about it too much, it's. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, for me, I, I picked it not just because it's it's a good remake, but because uh, for me personally, it kind of marks uh, the end of an era in Las Vegas. Uh, I lived there from the late '80s up until 2002. So uh, that. Vegas that was represented in the film was my Las Vegas, the one that I remembered uh, mm-hmm. before it turned into a giant glass menagerie filled with overage spring breakers. Ugh. <laughs> now, Ocean's Eleven came out uh, only a few months after 9-11. It was December of that year. And it was a weird time in Las Vegas, as it was for everyone in America, but in a different way. You know, you know all of us kind of wondered if Vegas would be the next target for a terrorist attack, because it seemed kind of like an obvious target for like sort of American excess. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. After it happened, the skies were eerily free of planes. There was nothing leaving or coming in. Uh, In fact, tourists that were there when 9-11 happened got trapped in town with no way to leave because there were no flights out. Uh, in fact, mm. some were actually buying used cars right off the lot just to get out, which was bizarre. It was very surreal. It was way too quiet, and it was very unnerving. And, and it was never quite the same after that, even. And mm-hmm. it wasn't long after that that I left for the East Coast and greener pastures. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have a certain attachment to Ocean's Eleven for that reason as well as it being a really good movie. Uh, but as I said, and we talked about, Ocean's 12 is is horrifying. It's a sloppy mess. Um, Ocean's 13 was better. and then Yeah, had, I didn't see that one. And then they had a sequel, uh, Ocean's 8. <laughs> I, I, by the way, yeah. that's, that's, uh, I made that up. That's my term now. That's you can't good. Sequel. That's good. Like Ghostbusters. <laughs> it's a sequel. Oh, I didn't mind. I didn't mind that sequel. I didn't or mind that it either. I was remake if what episode is. I was very upset by the hate it got. I really was. <clears throat> yeah, not, agreed. You know the 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 original Ghostbusters still exist. It's still a movie. You can still watch it. Right. Why is this somehow taking away that from you? That experience? No, it has a right to exist. You know, agreed. It, it, it may not be as good as the original, but the reason for that had nothing to do with the incredibly talented actresses that were in it. 
Right. I never understood that at all. And of course, now we're getting another Ghostbusters movie, Ghostbusters Afterlife, that's coming out, I think, soon. Who knows today? But it, it was yeah. supposed to come out. But we'll see. I, I'm kind of looking forward to that. It looks interesting. You know, we'll see. Um, but Ocean's Eleven. It gets a 7.7 out of 10 on the Internet Movie Database and a pretty decent 82% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh. Yeah. Not uh, bad. It's available to rent on most streaming services, including iTunes and Amazon Prime Video, for about four bucks. Uh, the original, if you're interested, the original Ocean's Eleven is now on the Criterion Channel streaming service, which is amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah if you are a film buff, you've got to get the Criterion Channel. You can get a 14-day free trial. After that, it's $10.99 a month, or as they said back then, a cool C-note, baby. <clears throat> Wait, isn't a C note a hundred bucks? Yeah, but that's like for a year. You could pay like a year, so you could pay a hundred bucks oh. a year instead of ten ninety nine a month. Oh, yep, yep, yeah. yep, 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 get it. Now I have. You said you had some honorable mentions earlier, right? So yep, I've got some dishonorable mentions. <laughs> Good. My first one is the nineteen ninety eight remake of Godzilla with Matthew Broderick. Oh, oh man, it was bad. That's so painful. I almost forgot about it. Oh, you, yeah. I, I'm sorry I brought it up. Uh, the, the, <laughs> it was so bad. The monster Godzilla looked like a burnt cat. <laughs> he did. It was uh, awful. Didn't look like Godzilla. Yeah. Looked like a cat that was set on fire. Is not good. It was very disturbing for me. <laughs> uh, another one was Psycho. Alfred Hitchcock. You know the classic movie was remade shot for shot in color by a director named Gus Van Sant, who uh, also did um, uh, Goodwill Hunting. Why? Why? It made no sense. Why would you shoot a remake shot for shot with different actors? That made absolutely no sense to me. Well, part of the allure, too, is the black and white, I think. Yeah. Yeah, there's a sense of creepiness that comes from black and white films that you just can't reproduce by seeing this, you know, whatever spectrum of color. Plus, but like, yeah, why? Like, we got it once and that was creepy and we didn't need it again. Yeah, and if you're going to remake something, you know, add, change it. Make some changes to add value, add a twist or something that wasn't in the original that, you know, makes, ooh, that was cool. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's why this it was kind of an experiment, but it was a complete failure for most people. Uh, My last Mm -hmm. one, my last one. Ho ho. Red Dawn. Now, if you Hmm. have seen the original Red Dawn, it was sort of the quintessential 80s communist paranoia movie about a group of high school kids taking on an invasion of America by those pesky Ruskies. Uh, It had (laughs) Patrick Swayze in it. Uh, You know, it had... uh, was oh, Tom Cruise in it? Tom Cruise. Yeah, I mean, it had basically, it wasn't like The Outsiders. It was close, but, you know, with guns. Um, so there was a really, it was a really good uh, good young cast at the time. Uh, it was a mm-hmm. cheesy movie. I mean, there's no getting around it. Red Dawn was cheesy, but it was cheesy. It was fun. And it was so darn 80s. It, you know, it, it's just a good time. But they, yeah. they did a remake, a really sorry remake. Uh Back in 2012. Now, yeah. this one, yeah, yeah, this one has the, the you know, USA being invaded by the Chinese. Now, wait a minute. Oh, <laughs> let me let me change that. Excuse me. It wasn't the Chinese? 
it was the North Koreans. And I'll explain. When they what? shot the yeah, when they shot the film in 2010, uh, they actually had the Chinese as the antagonists. During post-production, because they wanted the studio wanted to actually, you know, show the film and sell it in China, they're like, wait a minute, we can't have the Chinese as the bad guys. So during post-production, they changed their entire ethnic background using uh, computery things to North Koreans. Because, hey, huh. it's all the same, right? Chinese, North Koreans, what's the difference? They're interchangeable. So this movie is not just awful, but it's kind of racist, too. Yeah. I mean, you just, oh, well, nobody will know the difference. Let's just change it. No, no, you don't do that. And the, the ironic thing is it never got shown in China anyway. So there you go. Yeah. Hey, you know what's another really bad remake? Mm, tell me. Brain Dead, but the new one from 2007. Because you know what Peter Jackson did? Uh, yeah, Brain Dead. did the original in like, like 19... Also like, uh, called Dead Alive. So, yeah, exactly. I think, and there's also that weird thing too where like it's either one word or it's two words. I, I'm not sure. But they definitely tried to remake it again in the uh, early 2000s, and I don't think it worked too too well mm. um for one fact i think peter jackson was like yeah i think you just need to leave that and let it stay brain dead yeah but yeah i agree with that and, <laughs> Man, and may I, and this may is I, a good episode yeah and may i throw in yeah. every disney live action remake <laughs> oh that's the thing like i think in particular i the magic of disney comes from the animation yeah and i just can't see i can't see like okay the Lion King. Oh, yeah. Don't get Why? me started on that. Oy. Why? Or Aladdin. Yeah. I still didn't like it. Or like anything else that they're making live. Just why? Yeah. Leave it alone. First of all, Aladdin looked unfinished to me. To my it eyes. It did. Yeah. Yeah, it did. it did. And The Lion King. First of all, if you're going to do photorealistic kind of animation, you have to they understand. They shouldn't be talking. They shouldn't be talking because you can't create emotions you can't have right. realistic looking <clears throat> uh characters emote it doesn't it doesn't work because you can't see their expression because they don't do that and said you get this weird like anthropomorphic hybrid lion like weirdness and i'm okay with believing the animated lions talk i can believe that <laughs> but not and they tried that thing where like like oh let's give it a powerful voice cast like no it just no. did not work. You know what? Either adjust Leave the animation. Disney. Yeah. Either adjust the animation to look a little bit more cartoony or mm -hmm. don't do it at all. Yeah. Which would be cheaper for you. Don't do it. There you go. But yeah. <laughs> so, and, and it's a, it, it's a thing where it, it, it always, always, always to me just looks like a money grab. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. Or like, or like lack of ideas. You know, right, right. Like, come up. I mean, there's new stories out there. Make something new. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. Pixar can do it. Why can't you? Like the beauty of the Disney era. I mean, but to be fair, there's an argument on the other side of that. And this is me playing devil's advocate that the Disney Renaissance area, as it were, which encompasses, of course, Little Mermaid, uh -huh. and the Beast, yep. are all basically remakes of fairy tales. 
So in that respect, you know, I get it, right? Sometimes yeah. retelling of the story is like that, but retelling it, retelling the same story um, with no changes or anything like that just doesn't do it justice. It detracts from the original. I agree. I absolutely yeah. agree. Nice. Yeah. Well, I think this was a, a very, a very good discussion. Of, it was. Yes. I, 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 I cannot believe you chose the fly. I can't believe it. I can't believe you chose it. I'm, that shocked I know. me. <laughs> very weird. Oh, man. It is I know. I know. It, it's so funny, too, that the second time this would happen would be like a movie like The Fly. Yeah. When the first one, what was the first one we did? Oh, my gosh. Well, I can't even was remember, I don't think. I, yeah, it was like literally maybe episode three or four. Yeah, it was so yeah, it was long early. ago. It was early. Yeah. It's funny, though. <sighs> Will it ever yeah, happen great again? Episode. Yeah, so don't steal my picks. We'll be good. Oh, fine. Steal your <laughs> picks. All right. Oh, man. Good stuff. But yeah, so good time. Yeah. We're, so. we're doing our best to keep up with this once every other week schedule. Um, so hopefully you're getting those microcasts. You can listen to the microcasts in between. They're like 10 to 15 minutes long, and they just kind of give you a, a little burst of what the craziness of regular episodes is like. Yes. So I highly recommend listening to those. The thank latest you. one, which was about 3D movies, was yes. fantastic, oh, by the you. way. I really enjoyed that one. I thought that was a good one, too. I had to tell you, I had a really hard time looking at the infographic we made because it hurt my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> that was on purpose, of course. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was, but it was good. So check it out all our microcasts. You can also find us on the deepdivepodcast.com. Mm-hmm. On our website, we've got links to our social medias, our email, ooh, a merch store, because who would have thought, you know? Uh, you may not You may not be like me, where you haven't been to work physically in three months and you haven't left pajamas, but wouldn't it be nice to take a shower and, like, refresh with, like, a, a clean T-shirt? Yes. You can do that. By buying one of our shirts. And it's con- totally contactless. <laughs> it's totally, exactly. You buy it, they ship it, you wear it. It's amazing. That's right. Exactly. And if you don't buy it at all, then it's really contactless. <laughs> exactly. We don't recommend that. Oh, no, we don't. No. no, we don't. So next week on the Deep Dive Microcast, here's a little taste. Oops. Sneaking out to the drive-in. Why not take the kitties along and save the expense <gasps> of a sitter? Everyone enjoys the drive-in. That's right. That's going to be great. The Deep Dive Microcast looks at the history of the drive-in theater. That's such a quintessential thing. Like, oh, let's go to the drive-in. It's an experience. It is, and it's resurging in popularity because of the pandemic. Yeah, I don't know. Where is there one near us, though? I I feel like there's not many... There is, I believe, in New Hampshire, I think there oh. are a couple. Yeah, actually, you know, what's funny. My my daughter went there, uh, the one in Milford. Uh, there's, uh, there's, oh, actually okay. three. there's one in Laconia, Hinsdale, and Milford, where if you're not from this area and you're listening, you have no idea what that means. But they, there well, are Well, Milford's there. like a good half an hour for me. It's not that far at all. It's really not. And they're doing some, you know, that because they're, they're getting kind of busy, they're really doing some, uh, some cool things with their, with their programming. So uh, they did, they were doing a double feature of E.T. and Back to the Future, which was kind of cool. Huh. Right now, and I think you'll like this, they're one of their, they're doing like two sets of, 
double features. One is Raiders of the Lost Ark and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Mm-hmm. The, the other one they're doing is Jaws and Jurassic Park. Oh, my God. We have to go to that one. <laughs> That's going to be epic. Uh, yeah, I figured you'd think that. But, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we should, t- we should t- take a look at that. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, for the amazing Manda and myself, I'm Tom Feeney. Please, please, please stay healthy. Uh, do your due diligence with the social distancing. Wear your masks where applicable. We don't want to lose any of you. We have too few listeners as it is. True. And if you know, if you are in contact with other people, tell a friend about us. <laughs> tell a friend. Because we don't Instead have of any. spreading Corona, don't S- spread Corona. Spread the spread word. Spread deep dive. Yes. There we go. <laughs> You know, maybe we should have some uh, deep dive masks made. What do you think? Would that be fun? Oh, I think it'd be fun. Let's mm, do it. We'll have to work on that. Yeah, <laughs> and like the really cheap ones, too, that are made out of paper. Yeah, that's all we can afford. We'll cut that part out. That's fine. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Thank- so thank you, everybody. Uh, this was Thanks. fun. We had a great time. Please, please, please continue to listen. Please subscribe. Do all those fun things. And we will see you next time. See ya. Bye. You can find links to our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram feeds on our website, thedeepdivepodcast.com. If you like us, please subscribe. All clips are intended for educational use only and not to infringe on existing copyrights. Our theme music was produced by Ryan Blaney and EchoCraft. Thanks for listening. The Deep Dive Podcast is a production of Automaton Studios.